gotta start them young. Otherwise, you, you know, <laughs> you're not gonna throw a normal teenager into a murder academy and expect him to thrive. Yeah. Uh, we've all seen Hunter Hunter. That never works. Well, and which is another thing where, you know, one of their, their gang members is a relatively normal teen, and she's like, oh, right, I'm too emotional. I forgot how you've all been trained to completely numb your feelings <laughs> when you murder somebody. And they're like, yeah, of course. Why didn't you learn that, dumb dumb? So that perspective's fun. But since we're talking about the um, efficacy of numbing your murder feelings, I guess we're talking about the Big Bang Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And uh, this is a podcast in which we discuss the television show, The Big Bang Theory, and we call it The Big Bang Theory Theory. And, uh, oh boy, uh, we watched it. And, you know, we do that. And then we talk about really anything else we'd rather be talking about. Uh, Because the show... It has its ups and downs, but you know what? I'm going to be up front here. This one, I thought it was going to be a real mid-episode. I was really kind of, you know, maybe it was. But by the end of it, it had won me over, and I felt satisfied. So this is in the top half of episodes. Ah, interesting. It's a better than 50% episode. Sound the alarms. Hit the fanfare. Um, Kyle, how do you feel? Uh, well, I mean, I do admit that this episode was fun, but it it annoyed me in a way that we can get into after the summary. Uh, the I kept I kept thinking over and over again near the end. I was like, "This is this goddamn show trying to gaslight me?" Because that's that's exactly what it feels like. Okay, but I will explain that uh, in more detail after you tell what happened. All right. Well, and this uh, episode is officially titled. The, rom- the Romance Resonance, thank goodness, actual summary. Sheldon makes an amazing discovery only to shoot himself down when he finds that he made an error. After Howard writes a song for Bernadette, Penny mulls over making a romantic gesture for her guy. That emphasizes none of the, the more focused on elements, I don't think. This feels like a, I don't know, an inside-out plot summary. But Kyle, like, so... We can just pick apart. I don't think I even need to do the longer summary. I want to know what your gaslight feelings are before they get any dimmer. Uh, yeah, so in this episode, this episode all revolves... Well, it actually revolves around a couple of things. But by the end of the episode, there is like this big, sweet, romantic gesture and this question of romance. And it's all played very like sincere and heartfelt and twee. And at the center of this is Wallowitz singing a cute little song to his girlfriend, Bernadette. And I know... Wife! How dare you? Sorry, I forgot they were married. And I know, I know we've talked about this before, but it is just so weird to me. It's not just, so what we've talked about before is just in case everybody forgot, Wallowitz used to be a sex criminal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, you're, you're concerned by this turn or this, this fakery. It's not, it's, but it's not related to him specifically. It's like the entire tone of the show has pivoted and they are just asking me to forget about what this show used to be. It's yeah. like this show used to be a pretty, uh, I mean, I don't want to oversell it. Vile is maybe a little too strong, but a pretty. Uh, it, 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 still, it, it still gets a little raunchy every now and then. Every now yeah, and then there's still a little sexy time. But even then, it's just, it's mostly just like, oh, don't these characters, they do be loving their fucking, don't they? But it was like, here, here are a bunch of socially disconnected, 
uh, nerds who either don't understand how women think or in some cases are blatantly out to harass them. And the humor all revolved around like how awkward they were around women, how little they could relate, uh, how there was a, like a lot of the jokes were like either vaguely racist or or transparently homophobic and it you was just for like, that simpler time it was just kind of a like it was a mean-spirited sort of show where the joke was like look how pathetic all of these people are and so at some point then when you have Wallowitz like lining up and singing his cute little nerd song I feel like now all of a sudden we're supposed to be like celebrating something that we spent like the entire first four and a half seasons of this show laughing at which is just like oh look these guys only speak in obtuse nerdy references that no one would like well but Kyle I feel like you're gaslighting me because you're forgetting the most important thing that has happened throughout the progression of the series which is that now that these people are in relationships, they're they're members of society. <laughs> Except for Raj. That fucking sad creep can get roasted and lambasted to no end. But the other three couples, they're cute and wholesome now. They have purposes in each other. Um that said, I uh I I felt more cynical while watching this, and I don't think I, I processed it the same way you did, but um you know, as as all of this cuteness is happening everywhere, like the episode opens with Penny working at the Cheesecake Factory, and I'm like, been a while since she's been there. Oh, this is almost certainly has to be kind of like a Leonard helps with the rent situation, doesn't it? That's an element of their relationship. It's gotta be. And then later on, um, there is a little bit of time spent on... It's it's ultimately Amy fantasizing about Sheldon becoming more physically intimate. And at the same time, I was wondering, just kind of, you know, kicking the old bean around. Like, if you were in a relationship someone, uh, with someone, uh, you know, and you were not asexual and exper- expect at some point for physical intimacy to happen, and you're an adult, and you, it could, you know it's not coming soon. It could be years. How long do you stick with it? Is that a deal break? Apparently, it's not for Amy, who is happy just to fantasize but i don't know i feel like it's i feel like really my suspension of disbelief is has been surpassed at this point with their relationship because amy won't break up with sheldon despite the fact that he seems incapable of showing her the slightest physical affection yes yeah i mean but that's the same i mean thank you for at least grounding me because my so my whole uh my whole complaint is that nothing on this show makes sense anymore, but maybe it's just been transferred because the old question used to be, hey, why does Leonard live with Sheldon even though he hates him? Why doesn't he just... Oh, yeah, uh, we just take that for granted now, don't we? Yeah, we take that for granted and we have moved on to a similar, why does, Pe- why does Amy stay with Sheldon, despite the fact that they have nothing together. So here's my, but here's, I guess, my question. If, like, four seasons from now, like, Sheldon and Sheldon is, like, regularly buying Amy flowers and, like, singing her a song while playing the ukulele, are we just going to be like, yep, this show was always like this. This isn't a weird turn that we took at some point at all. No, absolutely. It's going to be like, oh, 
has Sheldon always been so passive-aggressive in expressing his emotions? I'm like, no, he hasn't. When did he start having emotions? I'm from the past. Where, <laughs> yes. where did, what, what happened in this society? Where did, would, could people not just accept this wacky, rigid character as he was? Did he just slowly become more human for reasons inexplicable but gradual? Like, right, and it's not like he had an arc. It's no. just like, they just like, we're just like, we're writing this character like this now. Yeah, yeah, and it happens gradually. And it's just like, you know, it's it's bizarre enough that they're in a relationship, but because, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel good about my past criticism, because they never really examine the relationship or why these people really like each other, it just instead gets taken for granted, becomes the status quo, and then we focus on these, yeah, increasingly unbelievable interactions because like yeah the relationships aren't necessarily more believable but over and over we're just like no look it's cute now they love each other and they know how to do nice things and um yeah if anything episodes are about polite misunderstandings instead of i would hope that there's a director's cut of this episode where uh so at the end of it, Bernadette is in quarantine because she's been exposed to some sort of virus that, uh, in her own words, would make her vomit out of her eyeballs where she actually exposed to it. And so the song that Wallowitz sings with all his pals behind him, he's on keyboard sitting at a chair. She's looking out through a basically glass observation window. And I hope the director is cut. His dick is at least hanging out. That would yeah. be some classic Wallowitz humor. If part of like Bernadette's enjoyment and laughter of it is not just that he's singing... But, like, maybe the dick is wearing a top hat and it's kind of dancing along as he's doo-doo-dooting. <laughs> like, that would be great, you know? That would be classic Wallowitz. And that would make more sense if instead Bernad- instead of him softening up, Bernadette is like, That's my sex criminal! <laughs> but no, everyone's cute and nice. Yeah, exactly. Even Raj being invited in as romance consultant for uh, Penny in this episode, because that's one of the things that comes up is in in uh, in the light of Wallowitz's grand gesture, uh, Leonard is like, "Oh, Penny, you never do anything romantic for me," and so she, uh, yeah, does like request Raj's help, and you know, I think traditionally, this you know, kind of more understanding emotional perhaps even feminine side of him is another thing that would have been made big goofs of. But no, no, it's just, oh no, that's what he does. He's our party planner, he's our cook, he is our our champion of all things domestic, and we just occasionally pop him in where we need him. You know, that's all. Ugh. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna be honest, though. In, In spite of all the cynicism, I teared up near the end. I did. The, oh the, 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 that you're exactly what's wrong with this country, you, the you manipulatable little rube. I couldn't help it. And I was like, don't fight your feelings. Just let yourself feel this. This is okay. You've been ne- manipulated, but just let it happen. I fucking hate that shit so much. I can't. It just didn't. I mean, you're right. It's a sweet moment, but it's just, I always, it's, uh, I call it the bing bong effect, which is that stupid scene in that one Pixar <laughs> movie. Stupid se- Kyle. Oh, did you, did you bury your heart somewhere in a desert where it is preserved only by dryness and grain? <laughs> 
Look, you can't create a character and make him quirky and lovable just so that you can, like, smash his face with a baseball bat and then ask me to feel bad. That's not genuine. That's not craft. That's emotional extortion. Oh, but you know what? If he weren't lovable, he wouldn't have felt that. They did something right. They, Bing Bong, got you. Fucking got you. But the Bing Bong effect in this particular episode, because I do like your... your 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 concept here is um so Leonard yeah our our lovable little dorky nerd is so sad that his girlfriend ever does anything you know romantic for him and so uh, and the episode is basically she makes ramen which this is this is a, a silly thing for me to grind my teeth but they're both eating ramen they've got little bowls of ramen that she made they're just both eating it with spoons you got noodles you can't spoon those babies what are you doing hollywood get your shit together but after that she's like oh i've got a special gift for you turns out to be a first edition of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and he's like oh i love it just one thing remember we went to that used bookstore and i pointed out how much i love it and so i bought it and she's like oh no i'm a thoughtless idiot uh goes to the closet to be like look at all these romantic things you've got me over the years and then leonard is like oh you've kept every little trinket i've ever got you oh oh this is the most romantic thing i've ever experienced oh and i I, you know i took the ride with him kyle i did all right so if you want to fucking put me in the bing bong bin i get it but I have feelings today, and I won't be ashamed. Well, you should be, but I guess there's nothing I can do. Well, you tell, because this is, you know, I will say, this is different from Bing Bong, because we've been with Leonard for, I hate to say it. Don't. I won't, okay. You know, go, I guess you have to. Uh, over seven years now. Ah, oh, yeah, I was in my early 30s once when this started. <laughs> Let's not talk about the passage of time anymore. But, um, you know, he was not, he's, he wasn't like introduced this episode to be completely lovable without any obvious character flaw and then set ablaze. He's our Leonard! Yes, I suppose so. But I don't know. It's just. It's just, this wasn't what these characters, I feel like they're being asked to bear a narrative weight for which they were not ever designed. It is like, you know, it is like Scooby-Doo getting cancer or, uh. I will agree with you to that degree that, no, it's, it's too much emotion for too thin of characters. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's like, you know, it would be like if, uh. Because, you know, we compare, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That show has gone some amazing places, but it builds up to those things, like, rather gradually. It's like, this show sometimes feels like it wants to do things, like the, you know, Mac is gay thing, but without any of, like, the many, many years of transitionary steps of that journey. Sure. And so. Or the commitment. <laughs> right, exactly. And so just all of a sudden we're there, and I'm just like. Well, and that's actually, you remind me of something that I I briefly mentioned because it is just a fantasy of Amy's. Is, oh, by the way, the actual whole fucking main plot element of this thing, the A plot that we've not discussed at all, 
is Sheldon um, maps out, or, you know, maths out some sort of uh, discovery that results in um, a new hard element. And he sends out his research. It doesn't, oh yeah, this this was the actual A plot this of this the episode. I forgot that is just yeah <laughs> washed over. Um, and he sends out his research to be checked, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's it's verified. This is indeed an incredible discovery that is going Which, to, to be change fair, our field." Yeah, he discovered a new theoretical. Like he he did a bunch of math, and it's like if this math is correct, uh, then you should be able to. Uh, you know, just like, by following these steps, create an entire new element. Yeah, which is insane. It's um, awesome. Like, that is awesome. Which also, I was frustrated by this, too, is um, at some point when they're discussing the formula. and Oh, so I, I jumped ahead. But it turns out he made a mistake. And so even though he did, in fact, discover it, he discovered it accidentally. Because at some point, he read some table incorrectly. And this is the thing that bothered me. He somehow switched up centimeters and meters, and I'm like, is he really doing that in his theoretical physics? Getting, like, basic distances wrong? I guess it's possible, but, like, is he really dealing with differences of centimeters or meters when he's formulating out, like, elemental differences? I don't know. Um, but, so, his, his thing, which also is never really resolved, is that... He has praise thrown upon him over and over again throughout the episode, and he hates how undeserved it is. And so, cocky, egotistical Sheldon is running around saying, Shut up! Shut up, you idiots! You don't even understand! You're celebrating a nincompoop! And um, the thing that made me uncomfortable with the emotional weight of it was what first seems like a really mean thing that turns out to be, I think, a kind of okay joke slash genuine character uh, effect is uh, at some point Sheldon is complaining about this and all of his friends are like, it's great, it's great. Except for Amy, who is like, no, as someone who is also an expert in my field, I think you should be embarrassed for making such a ridiculous mistake. Your discovery is obviously meaningless and I can't believe that so much praise is being thrust upon you for something that you didn't even intellectually map out correctly. And Sheldon is like, oh my god, that's the most romantic thing you've ever sent to me. Gaffa, gaffa, gaffa. Pretty good joke. But then Amy fantasizes that Sheldon is like, oh, and by the way, I'm ready to kiss you on the mouth. I'm ready for us to have a real smooch like mommies and daddies do. And then they lean in for it. And that is where I was like, no, that's no. Sheldon is not someone who amidst the failure of not being able to prove his brain is superior to all others in the universe isn't suddenly so horny that he insists upon gratifying Amy with intimacy. Like, I was like, what is this? And then it did turn out to be a fantasy. So I guess it's a perfect episode because it fucking got me, Kyle. It got me. Yeah, I guess there was no point where I didn't know that was fake. So it didn't, like, I they've just pulled the dream sequence too many times on this show. Although I guess, actually, like you said, 
I mean, I guess the way you felt about that was the way I would have felt about the rest. I was feeling like for most of the rest of the episode. So that's a good little, just uh, not to beat on this drum one more time, but basically, yeah. So if that hadn't been a dream sequence, it would have felt as weird. It would have been more weird. But that's how I sort of felt when Wallowitz was singing his song to... Bernadette, and I haven't even got, it's not just that he's singing her a song, it's that all of the other nerds are lined up behind her, and they're singing in unison. Yeah, they even have a little bit of choreography along with it, and it is one of those things that's like, you know, I guess you'd have to say is objectively cute, but doesn't feel appropriate here with these characters like you've been saying it's just like the only bit of flavor to it is that sheldon is frowning throughout because he can't stand being in the hospital but everyone else is so committed to wallow it's this cute little bit that doesn't have anything to do with him getting his dick out one time and it's 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 barfy it's strange but yeah i don't know anything else about the episode nope you want anything? To about, anything I, I, for you? No, I I feel like we I feel like we talked about it the appropriate amount, and I am ready to move on to recommendations. All right, you can go first. I will. And so, here is my lead up. Hey, everybody! I'm going to recommend what is probably objectively, you know, across audiences, a C plus movie. But as far as a genre film goes ooh it's it's i think uh it's it's floating around in the low a range high b range i'm gonna say and it is called terrifier 2 shout out to friend of the podcast mac who recommended it and made me watch it uh i i I really ended up enjoying it and here's the thing i've never seen terrifier 1 i'm probably not going to i don't give a shit uh because terrifier 2 uh, is, I think, a really good throwback to uh, the classic, like, 80s. <laughs> like, I don't mean to say this in, like, a derogatory way, but, like, 80s iterative slasher <laughs> where you're like, oh, hey, <laughs> there's a real scary guy, uh, but he's going to murder some people. I hope at least some bizarre, interesting things happen throughout. And you want to know what? It delivers. <laughs> and so... The, the, the particular villain in the Terrifier series of films is this spooky Art the Clown, who is this, like, a, he's like a scary, old-timey-looking clown, the most awful feature being, uh, instead of having a smiley or a traditional sad face uh, painted on him, he has a big, like, perfect oval of thick black lipstick uh, and teeth that look kind of like the mouth of Sauron, um, so that's his thing. And also, uh, as far as supernatural powers or methods of kill goes, he seems to have your traditional kind of, I don't know, random teleportation may or may not be a part of reality kind of powers. You know, he's he's wherever he needs be to for the kill to be interesting. And uh, he's got a big bag he brings everywhere full of just random weapons, including a Tommy gun. Which, while on the one hand, not like the most interesting of murder weapons in a slasher, uh, is nonetheless used at least to some comic effect. And uh, also something that I really like about this film is that um, 
Like, does he have a shtick? Does he have a personality? Does he talk? Or is he just like a... He is completely silent. And this is, I'd say, the one big drawback for me is uh, he doesn't have quite enough personality except to say that... So yeah, like I say, he doesn't speak. But uh, he is particularly animated in his gestures. And there's a lot of miming. And I think uh, the thing about him is that... uh, He's he, like he's really mean spirited, and to say from friend Mac, apparently the first movie he found somewhat objectionable because uh, the overall tone was too mean spirited. But from what I saw in this film, it's kind of like, hey, did a clown just hit you in the face with some sort of pointed or sharp object that is going to leave you? Uh, gruesomely disfigured for the rest of your days, however short those may be. Yes. Is he slapping his knee and doing a little fist bump like he's a little stinker? You better believe it. And so, if anything, it's like his comic detachment from his surroundings. But I wish he were a bit more layered. Because, like, even for a slasher character, like, he doesn't... He's got the, you know, the vaguest of backgrounds. It's, it's really just to serve the kills. Um, and then as far as, like, the story goes... This is something else I do enjoy, uh, which is that it kind of just, like, dips in and out of whether things are real. Like, there's kind of a question of whether Art is having hallucinations or whether he is occasionally actually seeing some other physical thing that seems capable of murder. There's some supernatural magic elements just kind of pop in without explanation. Uh, and the film just kind of, like, it doesn't, like, get winky or laughy about them either. It's just kind of like, oh, hey, there's some magic shit here now. I guess we're having fun with that. Just commit and keep moving on. And so I, I like, you know, I guess kind of like, this is a really kind of silly comparison, but it's the one that's coming to mind is, like, in Avatar 2. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. Dumb movie. I'll allow it. But plot elements so simple and so straightforward that so long as you keep interesting things on the screen and you keep some sort of momentum going, uh, you're good. And that's how I felt about this. I was like, there's enough interesting thing happening at such a clip without having to like dwell on things or over-explain that uh, it, it ended up tickling enough of my brain to, to get me through it in a very... I, I had a lot of fun with it. So that's, that's what I'm recommending is Movie Terrifier 2. Kyle, it's your turn. Uh, so I am going to recommend uh, a video game that I have been playing a lot of recently, and I don't think it's like a it's it's wasn't a huge AAA game, but I don't think it was like a sleeper hit either. I think it was pretty popular when it first came out. I just didn't get a chance to play it until recently, and that game is Subnautica. So, so I've been asked whether I'm supposed to play this so many times. I am going to be wrapped with attention for this. <laughs> So yeah, so Subnautica is, I mean, I, like, it's very, it's, I suppose it's like a crafting survival game is the, is what you would call it. And I only say that because I've never played any of those except as part, as like components of like a larger, like, triple A game before. Like, I've played plenty of games that have like crafting and survival elements but i'm also told there's like a whole sub genre of games that are just like crafting and survival and little else never played any of those because they always sound boring um but this one's great so you play uh silent protagonist who crash lands uh you're you're on a big spaceship 
Uh, you are some anonymous crewman. Your spaceship crash lands uh, on an alien world. I do mean it, that is like 99... Well, actually, I don't even know. I don't know if it's all water or if it's just that the place where you crash land happens to be entirely water-based. Uh, I do I think... To, I thought you were trying to figure out the percentage of alien the land was. No, no, no. So, like, where you basically land in the in the middle of the ocean, which I guess is not that crazy to think about, right? But you land in the middle of, a, of the ocean, uh, and there is basically... Very little landmass around you. In the distance, at all times, you can see the wreckage of the giant ship slowly burning and sinking into the sea. You know, and you can use that as a landmark. But you're just as when you start out anyway. You're just a little guy in your uh, in your escape pod. You know, there are, there are other people in other escape pods, uh, but you must have gotten lucky in where you landed because. You know, as the game doesn't provide you with a backstory, but it gives you, but it, fuck, why am I so bad at summarizing? Anyway, uh, you can cut that part out, but (laughs) I just, anyway, so you start out in your little escape pod. All you've got is a radio and, um, basically this is like Star Trek technology. So there is a fabricator. So it's on the wall and basically any, if you feed it the right components, it can make you other shit. And so you have a small list of blueprints of stuff that you can make and you have a wetsuit and you have, you know, like a couple days worth of uh, purified water and food bars and that's it. And you just go. And so the most of the rest of the game is just you're exploring the ocean around you. Uh, there is no map. There are no... Uh, there are no discernible like objectives or checkpoints for the most part, uh, but you slowly you swim around, you comb the wreckage, you look for um, other crash landing pods that you can steal ship from. Well, sorry, scavenge ship from that will help you. Uh, that will help you figure out new stuff that you can build. Um, you discover <laughs> right. You discover the. You discover you know like in many of these sort of forensic storytelling games, you discover like the audio logs and journals of other survivors who just crash landed somewhere shittier and were immediately like eaten by a shark or a giant squid or something. And yeah, and I guess um, you uh, you slowly sort of like expand your capacity to survive on the planet. So you you learn how, how to build like a uh, from the replicator. You learn how to build like um, you know like a mobile fabricator that you can use to make a whole base. And you know you learn how to upgrade all of your equipment and you know build vehicles and everything else. And I make it sound and. All of that is awesome, but there's also a great story, and I love the way it's told because it is, again, it is not told in any, like, you have to go somewhere and talk to a particular person. It's like, the whole time that you're exploring, at the start, you're getting a lot of radio messages from other survivors who crash-landed, and as you're there longer and longer, the radio messages from other survivors just start going away, and then, like I said, you're finding lots of survival pods, but they're all empty and ripped open in various gruesome ways. And you begin to realize that, like, for whatever reason, you might be the only survivor left. And then, you know, you're just swimming around out there. And all of a sudden, you find fucking alien ruins. And you're like, oh, this is not, this was not an uninhabited planet. There were, like, an advanced civilization on this planet. And there's, like, you know, you eventually, you, you 
figure out uh, you get enough shit together that you can go on the big burning wreck and you can scavenge that for supplies and you can learn uh, and you get like a blueprint and it's like if you find all the right shit you can actually build a rocket and just shoot yourself straight off this world but you know keep in mind there is that like weird alien ruin over there that both might be the secret to uh getting off this rock and also the thing that would destroy you if you tried to leave without exploring (laughs) it first and so there's just yeah, so there's just, like, there's a constantly expanding uh, array of things that you can do and a constantly, like, expanding list of places to explore because you're constantly, like, you know, as you're upgrading your capacity, you can go farther away from, like, your central area where you first feel safe and have a lot of supplies, and then you can also go deeper and deeper into the depths of the ocean and, you know, build cooler and cooler shit. So I've just, I've gotten, like, I started off like, this is pretty cool, and just got slowly more and more addicted to, like, oh, shit, I can build, like, a, you know, I can, you know, build, like, a 14 cabin like undersea i can basically build a sea lab oh wait i can build like a little uh you know mobile submarine oh wait i can build a fucking actual submarine like a giant ass like you know multi-cabin like submarine that you know and i can use that and arm it with torpedoes and just fucking make this planet my bitch and so I have no idea how close to the end I am, but let me tell you, I have very few things in video games have ever given me the satisfaction of just, you know, slowly scraping together all all of the resources and crafting them and fabricating my way up to building my own fucking submarine in a game. That is a, it is a unimaginable delight. And I do, yeah, I do think, I mean, from what I've been able to piece together the story, I kind of see where it's all going, but I am enjoying every step of it. Well, as you say this, I am adding it to my wish list because uh, I had the very bare minimum of what you were uh, talking about in my mind when I've been picturing this game, Um, but with a much more uh, just kind of like chill sea exploration vibe and not that it was, um, well, kind of like you said at the beginning, that it was just a survival game. Um, and not a survival, but plot elements and things to discover and kind of like move toward game, which I do very much more like the idea of. So Yeah, I think you'll like it. I'm going to look into it. And also it looks, it just looks pretty. It's, it's one of those games, uh, like it's a very low, so you can play it and, and you know, you never have to worry about missing dialogue or anything like that. And you can just sort of chill. I guess what I like the most is that it both, it has the two things that I like, which it has an overall objective uh, that you are ultimately trying to aim towards, but also like zero, zero pressure to get there in any particular, particular um, hurry. So much like I imagine I would feel if I really were crash landed on an alien planet for years and years at a time, it'd be like, there'd be a certain point where I'd be like, uh, well, I probably have figured out everything I need to leave this planet, but also... I've built a really cool underwater base with like my own TV and Wi-Fi and you know vending machines and video games and shit. Maybe I can just hang out here for you know at least a few more years before I risk myself in a rocket ship. I mean, are you kidding? This is yeah. great. I mean, was I building my way towards my old life, or was I this whole time building a new life for myself? Oh shit. Subnautica! Yay! Solid recommend. Don't combine it and Terrifier 2 because of a scary 
clown with the black circle of lipstick is chasing you around in the water. I don't think it's going to be as fun. Or it might be. I don't know. Is there DLC for Subnautica? There <laughs> isn't. Clown DLC? Oh. There isn't DLC, but they made a second uh, a sequel game. But from what I've been told, it's like so much shorter that uh, that it's basically a um, that it's more like DLC than a proper sequel. Ah, all right. Well, look out for that, I guess. If you don't want to, if you don't want to play a game with a scary clown in it after you've played Subnautica the first. <laughs>